powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program today. This is Tony Richards. Today, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, building businesses in the digital space. And to that end, we have Chris Shipferling, the managing partner of Global Wired Advisors here today on the program, talking about his career, his ventures, and we're going to talk to him about the process of selling your digital business. Also today, I will have a lesson on the big four daily practices for elite level performers. That's all coming up today on the Better Than Before show. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. I'll be right back with Chris after this. The 2020 Subaru Forester. The SUV for all you love. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. A spacious and comfortable interior. The best SUV for all you do. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru, truly homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and today's guest is Chris Shipferling. He's the managing partner at Global Wired Advisors, where he's also the first point of contact for clients working to sell their online businesses. For the past seven years, he's focused exclusively on high-level consulting for multi-million dollar omni-channel, digitally native and Amazon-based private label and reseller brands. Chris and his partners leverage their 70-plus years of combined investment banking experience to provide a superior level of service that was previously unavailable in the lower middle market. Each member of the Global Wired team has owned, operated, and sold multiple digitally native and Amazon-based businesses, so not only do they have the expertise to offer comprehensive financial advice, they're also uniquely qualified to guide client companies 
through each step of the complex sales process. He enjoys working closely with entrepreneurs and small business owners throughout the transaction, getting to know them on an individual level so that Global Wired advisors can better assist them in realizing their goals, achieving the best possible outcome at sale. And welcome to our show today, Chris. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are now. Like, what was the path that took you to this uh, place where you help uh, digital businesses sell? So my career uh, started in sales and marketing back in uh, 2003. I primarily worked in the baby product space and then held different various positions working for Companies varying from 22 million all the way to half a billion dollars um, in you know sales and marketing executive roles, and so kind of climbing climbing over 2010 into kind of call it 11, 12, 13, it was very apparent that the old way of of doing business or commerce, where you had a relationship with a wholesaler or a retailer and they were selling your product, was uh, effectively going by the wayside. And the paradigm shift into digital was occurring, and it was occurring very quickly. So I always worked with Amazon Vendor Central and, and the different companies that I was running, but then really focused a lot of my effort and my learning, frankly, on Seller Central and really knowing, understanding the marketplace, but also becoming a, a student of direct-to-consumer as well. A few years ago, several years ago, I started my own consulting company, worked with various enterprise level brands to really kind of help them understand a, a better way through the Seller Central uh, Marketplace, Amazon Seller Central Marketplace, and also direct to consumer as well. About two years ago, uh, actually just, just over two years ago, I uh, met my three partners. Uh, they already had a firm, an M&A firm that was focused more on traditional businesses. It was a um, middle market, lower middle market investment bank that was working in uh, LBOs, MBOs, uh, you know, management buyouts, leverage buyouts, doing cap raises, uh, sell side M&A for traditional companies. And through uh, various contacts, I actually met one of my partners, uh, Jason. From there, we, uh, we struck up a business relationship as with the, my other two partners as well uh, that were involved in the other firm. So... We realized that, uh, you know, not only everything that I just said about how the paradigm shift was was occurring then, it already occurred, and now the appetite for digital online businesses, SaaS companies, digitally based, digitally native businesses were ramping up in the capital world. And so we formed Global Wired Advisors to focus in on digital companies. The other thing I'll say too, we all had our own businesses. We have sold business, our own businesses before. And we realized that in this space, the lower middle market main street, your option is to use a business broker primarily. And having gone through that process, we determined that there's a better way. There's a better way to do it. And frankly speaking, these small to medium sized businesses, they deserve better. They've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this asset, and we wanted to give them a more sophisticated investment banking process to take their business to market and allow them to get a lot more value than running it through a traditional broker process. So let's walk through a couple of these terms here, because I'd like to educate our audience for the people 
who don't know, so they might be able to enter, uh, enjoy this interview a little bit better. But what do, what does the term omni-channel mean? Yeah, omni-channel is, is simply a business that has several different sales channel components to it. So, you know, the term and its truest, truest definition is going to be a company that is both digital and also uh, selling through a traditional uh, brick and mortar store, you know, when it, when it comes to consumer goods. So Target is an omni-channel uh, retailer. Um, you might have a digitally native brand that's also omni-channel, meaning that you are trying to sell through all types of different channels of distribution, but your, your business is set up in a way that it's all linked together. Um, so, you know, Target's a great example uh, among many other retailers where someone can buy online and pick up in store. They can purchase in store and have it shipped to their house. So, you know, being uh, that's that's an omni-channel um, uh, type of company. What what would an example of an Amazon-based private label or reseller brand be? Yeah, so a private label uh, business in general is a is a business that um, has their own product, has their own brand that they're selling. Um, a retailer typically is uh, someone who is reselling uh, brands, right? Popular brands might be specialty brands, um, but those are those those are the, the the true definitions of both of those types of companies. And so, when you started with your partners at Global Wired, what kind of business did you have before? Yeah, so I actually had an apparel. I had a consumer goods direct to consumer business, um, and so uh, and I also had my own consulting company as well. Um, but uh, but that was that was the business that uh, that I had. Oh, awesome, good. So so what what's what are some of the things that a business owner needs to do if they're thinking about selling their business? In other words, how do they prepare uh, to put their business on the block? Yeah, great question. So a couple things, you know, one, it's always good to get in touch with us uh, or a firm like ours uh, early. If you're a maturing cash flowing business, you have profitability, you have historical sales data, um, even if it's just two years, uh, but you're seeing great growth, you know, and you're seeing very healthy cash flow and very healthy profitability. It's good to get in touch with us. Every business is different. Every business has different DNA. And so from our perspective, you know, we're able to really dig in, dive in. And um, if there's if there's certain nuances to your company, we're able to give you better, more granular detail. But kind of going 20, 20, 20 to 30,000 feet, get your books in order, make sure they're organized, have a good bookkeeper, have a good accountant, make sure you have your tax returns. You know, these are some basic tenets of just kind of good, good business practice. Um, understand where your, your company's going have a real plan for the future. You know, don't just sit there and do a bunch of guesswork and say, I think I'm going to do this. Sit down and write out a market, a marketing plan, write out a three-year business plan. Um, templates are all over the internet. If you are a small business and you don't have the acumen um, or even say the, the business school background or the corporate background, you can find a lot of these templates that will help guide you through what it looks like to create a three-year business plan. Product roadmap, if you're a consumer products good, if you're a SaaS or software company, what's your customer acquisition strategy? You know, what's, how are you going to grow more customers? How are you going to grow more acquisition, um, you know, when it comes to your software, um, your software business? And so I'd say planning, 
really, really having a good plan, uh, have organized books. Um, and I'd also say, I'd also say the, the, the third tenet, know your data, know your metrics. Don't do a bunch of guesswork. Um, that's the last thing you want to do when you're trying to prepare your business for sale. Um, so a lot of that goes back to organization, but you know, if you're, if you're running a consumer products company and you don't have any digital marketing data to really understand what's happening with your business, um, you're flying blind. Um, you know, in, in, uh, in flight school, they teach you, they teach you both VFR, which is visual and they teach you IFR as well, which is instru instrumental. It's understanding your instruments. And it's vital that if you want to fly an airplane, you have to understand every single instrument that you're reading to fly the plane. It's the same thing in digital marketing, and it's the same thing with your company. Know your metrics. So let's go back to the other end, uh, which isn't really uh, the part that you deal with, but I'm just kind of curious. How do a lot of these business start? How do they start? Uh, well, I mean, it just depends on the uh, the industry. You know, pet uh, baby products and toys um, usually burst from some level of passion or some, um, you know, level of mainly baby products and pet um, and even with health and beauty are usually spawned from something that's missing. You know, a, a mom created a new type of widget because she saw that her baby, uh, her toddler uh, was doing X and realized that if I invented this, this will actually help me or will help my child. Um, and so a lot of those businesses get started and they're birthed from, from a simple idea. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of the, the companies we've taken to market and sold. It's just that. In fact, a lot of them were started as, a, a, I wouldn't say a lot, that's placing a large percentage, but there are a decent handful that are, have, were started just as a hobby. That's it. They were started as a hobby. And then all of a sudden, you know, their branding, their product, it clicked and it clicked really well in the marketplace. And so they quickly had to pivot from a hobby to, oh my goodness, I have a real business. Now I have to treat it like a real business. Uh, well, that so, was going to be, that was going to be my next question is when this, takes off to a certain degree, then all of a sudden they have to scale. And what is the biggest mistake that they make when they get caught in that in-between area there? Not, not controlling inventory and not having the capital for inventory. When you're talking about a consumer goods, uh, when you're talking about a consumer products company, um, you know, if you switch it over to a software or SaaS company, um, you know, not having the right resources in place, you're just growing too fast. And so you don't have the right developers. You don't have the right um, uh, human, the human infrastructure, basically, uh, or skill set infrastructure to handle all this new growth. But on a consumer product side of, of the business, you don't have enough inventory, um, or you're not controlling the inventory, or have the capital to uh, to do so. So when you start working with the, this person on selling their business, do they typically think their business is worth more or less than it is? Ah, we get everything. So we have them thinking it's worth more. Um, uh, uh, CPAs are probably the worst, the, <laughs> one of our, our biggest pieces of kryptonite, I would say. We have folks come to us and say, well, my CPA put together a valuation. To which, you know, I always joke with them and say, that's, that's great. Go back and tell your CPA that they didn't save you enough in taxes, because <laughs> that's basically the same thing. 
you don't, they don't do valuations every day and we don't do tax work every day. And so um, we, we get that a lot, not a lot, but I mean, actually that happened to me twice in this past week where I had two potential clients say, my CPA told me I'm worth X and I had to tell them you're not even close. So that's kind of one. Number two, yes, you do have people who just have bad assumptions, whether they got it from friends, whether they just did research and it was bad research. And so they come to you with this speculation. They come to you with this assumption and expectation that they're worth more. Um, and when you tell them they're not worth more, they fill you with lots of excuses on why they should be, to which I usually explain, you know, capital markets are harsh <laughs> and uh, they don't care about your feelings. Um, all they care about are, are true data, is true data and true facts and comparables that make the business more valuable, valuable or not more valuable. Um, and then, yeah, you've got other folks who, um, and honestly, I probably would place most, I would probably place about 70% of these people in this bucket. They have no idea. They didn't even know their business was worth anything. And so when they hear for the first time that, hey, not only do you have a business that's sellable, wow. You actually have a business that's worth X multiple based on your cash flow. And so uh, I'd say I'd put most people in that category. That's the thing about the marketplace. It will tell you the truth about yourself, right? Every single time I tell people all the time, <laughs> you know, fa facts don't care about your feelings and the marketplace is filled with facts. What are other uh, myths that are out there about selling these types of companies? Oh, good question. You know, I, um, I am forgetting off the top of my head, but we actually do have a white paper on our website um, that goes through the five myths of, um, of selling your business. And I would tell your audience, that's, that's where they should go. You know, we put a lot of time, um, you know, into this white paper. One of my, one of my partners actually uh, created uh, this white paper. Um, but uh but yeah, we we have we we walk you through the five myths of of selling your business. I've pulled it up now, so I can kind of walk you through just very quickly. Um, That'd be great. Yeah, one, my company needs to be perfect before selling. That's a big myth. We're here to help. We're here to guide. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, buyer the buyer universe, especially when you're talking about companies that are are you know under ten million or fifteen million or twenty million dollars. Um, you know, worth of enterprise value, they're not expecting the business to be polished, full of incredible, you know, sales and operation processes, and you know, all these best practices. They're just not, they're just not, they're just not expecting that. So it does not have to be perfect. We already went through number two. I already know what my company is worth. Uh, that's always a myth. <laughs> we just went through all of that. Um, I'll be able to sell my business at the time of my choosing. That's also a myth. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that play into when it is a good time for you to sell your business. If we are to go through another recession and um, it's going to be a recession that starts to scare capital, uh, capital is going to pull their money back in. And obviously that's not going to be a good time for you to sell your business because multiples are going to go down um, and there's going to be lots of inventory. And what I mean by inventory is lots of people wanting to sell their business because we're going through a recession. So that's just one example of, of, of many that I could walk you through on why I can choose to sell my business whenever I want to. And then of course, number four, we already went through this, but your CPA or attorney is the best party to sell your company. We kind of went through this from a valuation perspective, but you know, many folks will, will 
they'll tell us, you know, I'm also considering maybe just having my attorney, you know, he's got MA experience and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't work. It actually mm -hmm. never works, you know, unless you've identified the party and that party has given you a letter of intent that you are happy with, that you're willing to be okay with, then using just the attorney to get you through all of the deal documents and get you through all the legality totally fine if you're leaning on your cpa to get you your financial paperwork okay but when you're leaning on these types of financial services to actually go out and market your business not a good idea um and then the final one do it yourself is the best option to maximize your value unless you are a a seasoned m a deal runner and you have worked in investment banking then i would say that will never be your best option um, so those are, we have a white paper, we go into a lot more detail, but we have a white paper on our website, um, uh, that goes through all the myths of selling your business. In one of those, you mentioned recession and we're in an election year. So the economy is going to be talked a lot about this year. That's so right. t tell me about economic conditions. How does that play into when I'm trying to sell my, this kind of business? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it definitely plays a factor. Um, you know, just to give you, for instance, the, we are an election year, and uh, I know we're not here to talk politics, so we won't do that. But let's we'll talk facts. Um, the Democratic candidates have all proposed potential tax increases, one of which is capital gains, and going from twenty-two or twenty-three percent up to, and there's various proposals, but all the way up to forty-five percent. Um, that's going to, that's going to affect going to market. Um, it's going to affect the seller when the transaction gets done. Um, it will also potentially affect capital and how they spend their capital. Um, but you know, that's a big difference jumping 20%, uh, when you're talking about, you know, capital gains and specifically that's, that's how these businesses are almost all are almost always taxed is on a capital gains tax. Um, you know, that's probably, I would say, kind of coming out of this election year and some of the volatility. The other thing is, yeah, I mean, you've got a pretty clear uh, viewpoint um, from some of the candidates that are that are up um, on the Democratic side on how they view the economy. And um, you're already seeing it in the newspaper. Wall Street isn't is finding um, some of them to be quite unfavorable in terms of how they view the market and how they view the economy. And that will absolutely have an effect uh, on the marketplace. So, um, and as far as a recession goes, as I mentioned earlier, you know, going through a recession will scare capital and it will, they'll just pull it in and put it in safer bets, at least for the time being. So we don't foresee, you know, we look at all the macroeconomic indicators all the time. We even, you know, look at the micro indicators as well, but we, we focus on macro indicators and currently right now, it's a very low percentage of economists that are now calling for a recession in 2020. And they're actually now starting to repeal back that uh, the next recession, because it'll happen, but the next recession will be what's called a shallow recession. Um, everyone's scared of 2008 to 2009 again, um, but that's not, that only happens once every hundred years. And so at least from the data that we've seen, <laughs> and so we're not expecting that. And most economists are not expecting that. So, who, who are the people or the companies or the types of investors that are out there buying these kinds of companies? Great question. All types. You know, you've got, you've got private equity, you have strategics, which would be corporations like, um, 
you know, talk like let's take a, uh, a a Procter and Gamble, although that's a really big example. But you know, um, you've you've got um, you've got uh, multi multi investor family offices, so you've got you know potentially a pool of four or five fairly wealthy um, uh, individuals, and they all have chosen to start a fund. Um, and they call that a multifamily, um, or even just a family office. It might be one. Um, we've, we've dealt with them before. Uh, we actually have, uh, sold a couple businesses to family offices of, uh, billionaires who, you know, they've got a lot of money because they created an incredible idea and they cashed out on that idea. And now they've got lots of cash to go find lots of other businesses to invest in. Um, and then you've got your individual, you know, a lot of the deals that are done under 5 million are done through the small business administration uh, loan process. And so, you know, if you've got great credit and you've got 20% to put down on a company, then uh, you can exercise that debt utility and it's a really good debt utility to exercise. So it just really depends on the size of the business. It depends on the type of company. If it's more strategic and not, you know, it's non-commoditized, um, you know, you're able to probably get the attention of more corporations and strategic um, companies to uh, to roll up the business into their company. Well, what have I not asked you about this whole process that you think our listeners might be interested in? I will plug my I'll plug our company. I think that's probably the best thing to do. Go to our website. It's globalwiredadvisors.com. Um, if, if, if you're going, if you use Google as your search or Bing or Yahoo, type in Global Wired Advisors, we'll pop up. We have a valuation tool. Uh, that's a lot, there's a lot of data behind that tool. It'll be able to give you a, a range of where you your business might be worth. We like to say devil's in the details here. So always try, always get in touch with us if you're serious about wanting to have a conversation when it comes to exit planning. We also have a consultation um, form. Uh, we're happy to talk to anybody 18 to 24 months out. Happy to have a conversation and be informative, cons uh, you know, cons consultative, uh, and just be helpful uh, when it comes to uh, um, planning and planning for, for your exit. So I think you covered everything, though. All right, Chris. Well, listen, I've got a standard list of closing questions that I like to ask every guest that comes on the show. Yeah. So I've got 12 here that I'll just feed you and... We'll just go through these pretty quickly. Awesome. What is the best memory that comes to mind for you? Mm. Man, what's the best memory? I have, I have, oh, I'll give you, I'll give you three. All right. The day my daughter was born, the day my son was born, the day I got married. Well, that's great. <laughs> I won't ask you to rank them. So <laughs> yeah, my wife will never listen to this. So I'll put my kids first. <laughs> All right. Who's the number one hero in your life? Oh, number one hero in my life, man. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to go with my dad, you know, my dad's still around. Um, thank God. And, um, you know, he's always been someone that, uh, I can look up to as, uh, as a great role model. So I'd say my dad, What'd he do? Uh, he was a uh, uh, he was a sales uh, a sales executive at uh, Abbott Laboratories. Oh, right on. What is the top value you subscribe to? Top value. Give me some more context, if you don't mind. Well, like uh, a common answer on the show is integrity. Um, one might be love. Uh, one might be uh, honesty. Um, yeah. 
Um, loyalty. It's big. Loyalty. Oh, yeah. Good. I'd say loyalty is pretty big. Who's the most important person in your life? Most important person in my life. Uh, my wife. I mean, that's, that goes without saying if it weren't for yeah. her, I'd be, I'd be in shambles. I think we all what's, can agree on that. <laughs> what's her name? Her name is Mandy. It's okay. short for Amanda. Yeah. What's your favorite thing? Oh man. My favorite thing. Ooh. I uh, love going to Disney world with my family. What's your favorite food? Uh, Chinese hands down. Most beautiful place you've ever been to? Wow, that's a great question. Um, Hawaii. Hawaii was gorgeous. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? Family. How do you want to be remembered? As someone who made people laugh and felt good about themselves. If you could go back and talk to a younger Chris, what would the advice be? own a business earlier <laughs> be, be an entrepreneur and have a business quicker huh yeah quit stop don't make other people rich make yourself rich there you go what's your favorite sound uh guitar and what's the best lesson you've learned don't be an arrogant prick <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one Yep. All right. So we've been speaking with Chris Shipperling. He's the managing partner at Global Wired Advisors. Chris, one more time, tell everybody how to find out more about your company and how to reach you. Absolutely. They can go to our website. It's at globalwiredadvisors.com. And um, like I said, Google, uh, Yahoo, Bing, uh, go to the, those search engines, type in Global Wired Advisors will come up. And uh, all of our contact information's on there, our consultation form, our valuation tool, lots of really good content and information. If you don't want to talk to us, but you just want to read, we have lots of information for you. And so we are not, we are not a, a sales-focused firm. We are a financial services-focused firm, and we're here to help people who need our service. Yeah. You're just looking for a good outcome for everybody, right? That's what we're looking for. We're not looking to take a bunch of spaghetti and throw it against the wall like a broker does. We are a true small business, lower middle market investment bank, and we're here to help with our expertise. Well, Chris, listen, I'm glad we got this worked out and I really appreciate you doing this today. I learned a lot. I think our listeners did too. So thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Chris Schifferling, everybody. I'll be back with more on Better Than Before right after this. The 2020 Subaru Forester. The SUV for all you love. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. A spacious and comfortable interior. The best SUV for all you do. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru, truly homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo. 
or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and on this part of our show, I'm going to have a lesson on the big four daily practices for elite-level performers. Last week on our show, we talked about the four power tools, how to bring something from ideation to manifestation. And then we also had an audit on the eight key areas of life for elite-level performers that you can do on a monthly basis. And then the week before that, I went into big detail on the eight key areas of life for elite level performers. And so today we're going to talk about the big four daily practices for elite level performers. And number one is physical, physical daily practice. Let's start with sleeping. Probably you need to get somewhere between six and a half to eight hours of sleep and rest each and every night and you need to get good sleep too and used to be uh in my 20s and maybe halfway through my 30s i could get by with somewhere around four or five hours of sleep believe it or not on a daily basis but as i've learned my energy levels a little harder to replenish than it used to be i gotta get somewhere around seven hours of sleep a night now and rest uh, just because it's a little harder to charge my battery back up again for a big full day. So on average, most medical professionals will tell you 6.5 to 8 hours of sleep and rest depending on the individual is good. Also on the physical daily practice, you got to watch what you eat and only eat those things that are healthy and good for you. Now, what I can tell you about this is there are always things in the headlines about this food is bad for you and this food causes cancer and this food will give you this and this food will do that. My advice for you is to really either get in touch with somebody that can help you on the food deal or you need to really do your own research. Do your own research and figure out what are the foods that you really need to be eating and what are the foods you need to stay away from. Again, everybody's system and body is different. What will work for one person may not work for another person. I remember when all the various diet fads have come out, right? The Atkins diet, the South Beach diet, the fruit and nut diet, and just about everything you can imagine. And before long, there's another one that'll come along. And all those things work for a while, and then your body sort of gets used to it. But you need to figure out nutritionally what works best for you and your particular metabolism. Some of that, again, just like the sleeping, has to do with age. Some of it depends on how active you are, and we're about to talk about that part of it. But there's plenty of information out there that is reliable and good about food that you can access. Thank God for the internet, right? So 
you can access that information and figure out a nutrition plan that works for you. And if you need help, there are plenty of good nutritionists. Again, go to the internet, find one, set up a meeting, get a plan together. And I think that'd be some of the best investment money you've ever spent. And then the third piece of this physical daily practice is to exercise. You could start with 10 minutes for say, let's 20 days. Then you could go up to 15 minutes for 20 days. And then you could go up for 20 minutes for 20 days. You know, if you haven't exercised in a while or it's not something that you regularly do, start out slow. Just 10 minutes, get on a treadmill, uh, go for a walk, take your dog for a walk, and then, you know, scoot it up to 15 minutes and then scoot it up to 20 minutes. The more you do it, the more you'll want to do it. And the more you don't do it, the more you won't want to do it. So the three key pillars to this physical daily practice are sleeping well, eating well, and exercising well. Second of the big four daily practices for elite performers is emotional. And my tip on this one is be around people who love and support you and also who you love and support. My grandfather always said, and one of these days I'm going to write a book things my grandfather used to say, but he used to say, when you get in the mud with a pig, the pig gets happy and excited and you get miserable and dirty. So if you're going to be around people that are always pulling you down into the mud with them, that's going to rub off on you no matter how hard you try for it not to. And you need to subtract those negative people and only keep the positive people or find some positive people. And you don't have to subtract them all at once. You know, you could just over time spend less and less time with them or you're too busy to do the thing they want to do or whatever, but you could slowly but surely get off of that relationship if it's a negative one in your life. The third big daily practice of the big four is mental. And you don't need to let your idea muscle atrophy. You know what I mean by that? You know, when your muscle isn't used, it begins to atrophy and then it's hard to get it going again and get it warmed up and get it mobile. Uh, your idea muscle can atrophy too. So you need to exercise it as much and as often as you can, at least daily. That's why this is a daily practice. And one exercise you can do is, and you know what I'm going to say here, journal. And you could just make, uh, you know, 10 spots in your journal, just number on a piece of paper in your journal from one to 10 and just write down the 10 ideas that come to you over the course of a day. And the reason you want to write them down is because you want to keep track and you don't want to lose them and you want to see how you're doing, right? As far as exercising your idea muscle. And you might say, oh, that's real silly. I ain't going to write it down. Go ahead and write it down because you're exercising your idea muscle. And so the more you exercise it, the better fruit that it will eventually produce. And number four of the big four daily practices for elite performers is your spiritual self. When you notice that you're getting anxious or you're doing a lot of complaining, you've got to learn how to rest and relax your spirit at the heart of yourself you ever been relaxing your body, but internally you still feel all worked up? It's because you haven't learned how to, or you've gotten out of the habit of resting inside as well as outside. When you lay your body down to get some sleep at night, 
you need to be able to rest that internal spirit also. So you can either get out your gratitude list or get out a piece of paper and start a gratitude list by writing down things that you have gratitude and thanksgiving for in your life. And you could do this daily practice every day for six months, just a little bit. And then, you know, let's talk about it. Because I think the results in your life are going to be completely different. And I think they're going to be completely better. So once again, the big four daily practices are physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Physical, you got to eat right, you got to sleep right, and you got to exercise right. Emotionally, you got to surround yourself with the right people and you got to subtract the wrong people. Mentally, you got to keep your brain working and keep ideas flowing. And then spiritual, you got to learn how to rest internally as well as externally. And those are the big four daily practices for elite level performers. That's our program today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. I hope you enjoyed our program today. Chris Schipferling with Global Advisors was absolutely fantastic. And then I hope you enjoyed the big four daily practices for elite level performers. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards four and at clear vision DEV. You can get us on Apple iTunes on Stitcher and many other places. You get your favorite podcast. Just look for better than before with Tony Richards. And I'm sure you'll be able to find us in your Google machine. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.